Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. You looking for a show to talk stats, spit fire, play games, and give you that info that you need to hear? Come on in, y'all. We don't bite. It's D-Menu welcoming you back to another episode of Fantasy Baseball Goodness. I'm joined by dessert legend Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake VLC. LC, how is your too early mock treating you? Too early mock is going pretty well. I am... Um... I started off pitching. Garrett Cole fell to 12. He was the third pitcher off the board. I actually have him as my top pitcher right now going into next year, so I was really happy with that. I got Machado in the second. Um, it's been it's been a really interesting draft. I, I went I went Merrifield. I have you know uh, JT Real Muto. It's not a typical team for me, but the draft is falling really weirdly, and and I and I'm and I'm. And I'm scrambling to, 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 to do my research on each pick. It's been a lot of fun. How's, how's your team doing? Pretty good, actually. Uh, you know, I, I, some picks mostly I like. Um, some I'm a little shaky on, but I, I liked how I started. I went three pitchers in my first five picks and um, four of my first seven. And the rest I've just been doing, hitting, stacking it up since then. But I, I'm liking it, and I like this is the first chance to kind of get a look at things. Um, so I, I, this is the first year I know me and you are, have been a part of this since we mm-hmm. kind of dove into the fantasy baseball community starting back in March. So, uh, this has been an absolute treat to be included with all the, the awesome people in this industry. So that's been the best part, honestly. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. um, there's someone that's also on this show, but he's not part of a too early <laughs> mock <laughs> joined by the doc. How's it going? You know, I might not be in this league, but at least I'm not followers like you. I'm a GBI, and I am proud of it. You say you're you guys a G- are, come here, come here, cool. Come on, Chief. Uh, it sounds like you're just super salty right now that you're not in it. Because according, this, salty, this is this is the part Eric doesn't mention. He mentions that Justin Mason sent out like, "Hey, anybody want to sign up?" And Eric's like, "Me, me, me, me," and he like wrote to him, and then. Yeah, he said, sorry. This is classic, David. I said, I can be home in 20 minutes. And somebody responded before me. I was like, okay, I'll do something else. No, no, don't don't undersell. Go go on my Twitter at E underscore men underscore D-E-E. And you'll see it. And you'll see that David's a liar. (laughs) I thought you did it from the show account. You did it from your account? Yeah, I did it from my account. Okay, I guess they can look back and see. But... We're not talking about too early mocks. There will be plenty of that. But on deck, we have Triple Play Fantasy's grab bag of hitters, and that's the toughest 2021 hitters to rank for 2021. It's a lot of 2021s. Let's face it. This season, it's a global pandemic. 60 games of data have been presented to us to make assessments about players and their performances for drafts next year. 
while there's a lot of factors that come into play in a particular season, we are going to try to do the best we can to take the data from 2020, looking at also at 2019 data, and try to assess hitters' values going into the next season, because it's still this season, right, Art? Yep. That's absolutely right. I'm nodding right now. That doesn't work on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. But we're going to be looking at these hitters, and we're going to be doing that with that dude, KC. You you guys get that's from? That dude, BP. There you go. I was hoping at least one of you would. That dude, KC, KC Bubba, and he's joining the show tonight with us. Super excited for that. After that, we're going to go to our bullpen for our question of the week. What was the best brawl that you've ever seen? And our mystery game coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. Just a couple quick news and notes here. Division series are set and have been going on. Cheesecake, any major surprises so for you for you so far in the playoffs? Uh, the, the Marlins, uh, the Marlins have been an exciting story. I think uh, I think Tampa Bay's really exciting. The Tampa Bay New York series is really exciting. Um, you know, there's there's been it, it's been a great postseason. I'm, I'm a little sad my Cubs got knocked out in two, but uh, I feel like I feel like it's going to be a great postseason as it keeps going. That you know these these teams are are playing at a high level right now, for sure. And Doc, what about you? I think it's surprising. Um, the Astros looked like they were going to sweep today. The A's made a comeback, but I think everybody thought, especially with their under 500 record, that the their success was due to cheating. They swept the Twins. I mean, they're four and Shut one up. in this. In the nope, they swept the Twins, but they're four and one in the playoffs. That's this is without Verlander. This is without Zach Granke. This is without Roberto Ozuna. Three of their top pitching arms. So uh, it's it's weird to say, but I'm impressed with the Astros. Yeah, and this is not a prediction show because we're obviously we can make predictions, but I think it's more just point, funny to point out what's been going on so far and reflect. Um, now, the only other bit of news, again, pretty much besides baseball going on, not too much uh, with playoffs going on, I should say. But Trevor Trevor Bauer did put on Twitter uh, just a lot of funny exchanges, him and Ronald Acuna. He also put a one thing about that he was flying into Boston. And to get Twitter rowdy, and he said that I guess Milwaukee probably doesn't want me after last year. Do you guys have a gut feeling, Doc, where you think Bauer's going to go? I think he goes to the Astros. Hmm. I, wow. I did see that floated around out there because he said whoever I, pays me the most money, I'm not going to turn down. Has, I think he has a. Chi- I think the Astros have a championship window with the hitting that they have. I think for Lander being out next year, Zach Granke being older, they're going to need a top arm. I see them making a serious push so that they can remain relevant. And I think if they have success, that's going to put away any doubters that think that they won because of cheating. Well, you cheesecake, you know, just off the top of my head, I think uh, Trevor Bauer went to UCLA. I, I think he's a Californian. I see the angels as a really good fit. They need an arm at the top of their rotation and they spend money. I mean, if they had, 240 to throw at Rendon. Maybe they have 140 to throw at Trevor Bauer this offseason. I think he'd be great at the top of that rotation. Well, remember, he's only going to sign one-year deals. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I I got the Angels for a one-year deal. Dark horse, he goes to Japan for a year. (laughs) Don't think that's going to happen. But – I digress. I I think it's going to be interesting to – he'll he'll be one of the ones I'll really be watching because I don't think he – 
I don't want to say he doesn't care about winning, but I think he wants to get paid the most. So we'll see which team throws money at him. I think I've heard the White Sox is one of those other teams too, which I would hate. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Anyway, do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never yeah. miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. Want to hear want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fancy football show that you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. Noted. If you're enjoying the content, how about and giving I'm- us a five-star rating and review like you would if we were a newborn puppy on Instagram? Ooh, you, damn well, you damn well know that you're not scrolling past that without liking that. So why don't you do that for us? Uh, I like that besides the profanity. <laughs> check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Um, this weird cat over there runs our social media and provides daily questions, annoying gifts. Sure I'm a human. Yeah. <laughs> of course, our weekly episode drops. Where else are you going to get a show with a guy on it named Cheesecake? Where else are you going to get on a sh- uh, get a show to give you guys bad betting advice like the doc or a host that's handsome and smart and well spoken, uh, just like myself? I thought I was going to say, when is he going to come? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you're well spoken. I hear a lot of ums and uhs. Oh, cold. Wow. Not true. Not where's, true the, where's the eject button? We want to keep <laughs> you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Casey Bubba. We welcome in a man that when you hear the word dong, you know exactly who I'm talking reoccurring guest and now automatic friend of the show as he wasn't scared to hop back on with us a second time the star bench with bubba bubba and the bat flip mlb dfs quick hits on the rotoballer network and many more the creator of the fantasy sports degens and the creator of a beautiful baby girl bubba is back casey bubba is in the house tonight what's up man thanks for coming on what is going on, gentlemen? My goodness, that like I don't even know how to come back from that. Like, first off, you go from dong to my little daughter. That's like one heck of a transition right there. <laughs> I, that, that's like first class stuff. That I, I guess it goes full circle if we want to get scientific on it. But in reality, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff here. But I'm glad to be back. I loved uh, chatting with you guys the first time. I like chatting with you guys in, in, on online and everything. So uh, it's awesome to uh, to get to talk some baseball with you guys. Bubba, yeah. I will say, I always get an adrenaline rush when you're like, Jeff McNeil, dong! Jeff McNeil, <laughs> double dong! Like, uh, and if you have a triple dong, you just don't know what's going on in my house. You don't want to know. Yeah, and literally, it's Eric took the words out of my mouth. Like, literally, the best feelings in the world, evenings with my fiance and dog, friends and family, and then if I pick someone in my DFS lineup that you see, you put dong on Twitter. Like, I get so <laughs> stoked. I'm like, Yes! <laughs> Yes, yes. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's uh, some. I'm glad some love it because I know some probably like God, it's baseball season again, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. And no, I'm not referring to the other stuff. It's actually safer, safer work. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, and one other thing I do want to talk about though before we get in, and this is like just the one little sappy thing I do want to say is uh like you were like a guest back in June when we were kind of still relatively new to everything. And not we only like not only were you the one of the first guys to promote our pod, but you were like personally to me the first guy to send an extend an olive branch and um, help me you know write put my content on your site for the fancy sports degens and put that trust in me and uh, you kind of gave me my first shot in this industry and uh, you were nothing but great to me cheesecake and the doc so 
really want to thank you for, for all that you've done for us, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. That's what it's all about. Is that we're all here to just talk baseball and have fun. We all have passions of the same thing. And we all start out uh, in, in, in the beginning and we all needed someone else to help us out. So I'm here to help anybody. And if you guys ever need any more help, let me know. Because by no means am I, you know, the rotowires of the world, but I can at least <laughs> I can at least get you in the right direction. That's all I can help you with. David, I was really hoping that you'd shed a tear with that soliloquy. I actually rehearsed it so that way I wouldn't cry. Just, <laughs> just uh, I'd keep my dignity. Here. Um, that's fair. That's fair. You can save those for the wedding. It's okay. <laughs> she, uh, she, my fiance actually said I better not cry. Or no, you, I think she said I better cry. She I cried. Cry. I cried. I'm honest. I'm a crier. I'm a nice guy, but I'm a crier. When I really? saw her come down, when I saw her come down the aisle, I started crying. Not like bawling, but. I started tearing up. My dad looked at me and goes, oh, crap. <laughs> I feel better now if if you cry. Like, I know I can cry. Real men you, cry. Yes. Yes. So uh, I guess hopefully those tears will shed. Is that a line from the big Lebowski? Real men do cry, Mr. Lebowski. Yes. Is that a line? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Oh, that's awesome. I, do, I, I feel better now. I feel like I got that out. So now we can hop into the uh, main content of the show. And guys, let's face it, this season was a global pandemic, and we only have 60 games of data, and it's incredibly hard to make assessments about players and their performances. So with many sports, many factors that come into play looking how a player is performed during a regular season, uh, we may see statistically slow starters, we may see some that don't play well in certain weather, have problems or great successes against certain teams that they continue to face in realignment, etc., all that good stuff. So 2020, you can kind of take it as you will. Uh, we're going to take that into consideration with these players we're going to break down today because we're talking about hitters that are going to make you tear your hair out, trying to assess their value and for 2021. And we're trying to help you keep your sanity with this show, which is the hitters grab bag, the toughest 2021 hitters to rank. And so I, we picked 12 hitters before the show that we're going to talk about. And we're going to try to address, but not limited to, where they're ranked in their position going into next year, what rounds you look to draft them, and expectations you can expect for 2021. So, Bubba, it's a mouthful right there. Don't want to talk anymore. You're the guest. Lead us off. What do you got for the first guy? Well, I was just going off the list you have here, if, we, if we're good with that. Um, and I think your top guy is, is one of the most fun ones to talk about is Adalberto Mondesi because I talked about him on recent shows as well. He's just tilting as all tilting can be about um, guys to, to decide, okay, was the second half legit? Was the first half legit? legit? And I, I like Mondesi because, you know, I hate rabbits. Like, not real rabbits. They're cool. But I hate rabbits <laughs> as in, like, Billy Hamilton's of the world, that kind of stuff where it's very, very tough to pick him. I don't want to, like, pigeonhole myself on one category. Well, if you look at a guy like, like Mondesi, it gets very, very interesting because um, he, he can do a little bit of everything. He actually does have power, which we saw. We saw it when he first came up into the bigs, and then he kind of slumped. He got hurt. I, I was telling someone the other day, I wish we had beat reporters that actually could talk to these guys besides just you know Zoom meetings after like uh, games when they don't want to talk to you anyways. So it, it's one of those tough things to really know. Was he just getting healthy? Did the shoulder injury heal? And all of a sudden, he's hitting the snot out of the baseball. Um, there, there's a lot of weird things to do about it. So I think Montessi is very interesting. I'm kind of the believer on this, like, He's obviously not that good, but could he hit you 15 homers and still you 40-plus bags? Yeah, he could. I could see that. And if he can do that, he's like a top six or seven shortstop going into the next season. It's just a matter of do you believe in that? I hope spring training tells us that. I think um, with Mondesi, sorry to cut in, I, I was looking at him as well. 
And you know what? On uh, on the 23rd of September, Mondesi was hitting 209 with a 566 OPS. Then he went 14 for his next 18, and he finished 256 with a 710 OPS. So it's not even first half, second half. It's first 55 games, last five. <laughs> um, but he produced seven extra base hits uh, in that span. He stole 16 bases in one month. Yeah, he's streaky. But if you're just looking to add up what he gets over a full season, mm -hmm. as long as Kansas City is willing to bite the bullet and hit him at the top of the lineup because he needs to hit at the top of the lineup. He hits like garbage when he hits down on the lineup. As long as KC hits him at the top of the lineup, you're going to get these stretches where he is a monster for a week, two weeks, three weeks at a time. And, uh, and that's where he's going to accumulate his stats. I don't think Nicky Lopez is going to take shortstop from him. I think he's got it next year. And so I think he's he stays pretty high. He's going pretty high in the two early mocks. I was surprised at how high he's been going in the two early mocks. But I get it because he gets a lot of steals. He gets a, and, and, like, he does have that pop. And I think Mondesi could be one of those guys that somebody takes early they get really frustrated with, and then he's a buy low candidate. So if you don't get him, he does go through these cold stretches. And if you're an owner, I know I've had him in the past. It's very frustrating. You think about cutting him. So, but we've seen, like Art said, those last five games that he can just go off or he can get you 16 steals in a month. Yeah. Very good points on that. I, I think it's interesting, too, because especially in Roto, obviously, where he's more valuable, if you have that owner that, like you said, Eric, gets frustrated and you're you're struggling in stolen bases. And uh, I, I know you can't do this in NFBC. You can't trade. But if you're in a league where you can, that you, like you said, try to pick him up and help those ratios just for when he does uh, go off and have those 15 steal months. Um, very interesting player. Bubba, where do you – if you were drafting – well, we kind of are mock drafting today – is there a range where you feel comfortable drafting him? Yeah, you know, we were talking about the two early mocks there a second ago. When, when you see Mondesi um, currently, if uh, you look at Samada's wonderful list, he's going around pick 35, and I'm not sure I'm quite there yet. That's like in a 15-team league, that's middle around three, give or take. Yeah, I'd be more inclined like round four or so because you got a guy like Mondesi at 35. If you want to wait about 15 picks, I'd almost rather have Tim Anderson and be just fine with that. And he might not get as many steals, but everything else is pretty gravy. So it, it's tricky. Montessi's ceiling might be higher than Tim Anderson, but his asking price is really going to get you pretty good. Yeah, agreed on that. Let's Cheesecake, why don't you give us another guy that uh, was on this list of someone who we should talk about here? Well, I'm looking at Javi Baez. Now, in looking at a lot of these guys, you saw things where you go, oh, there's where his season went went wrong. With Javi, it, it was wrong the whole season. Uh, he had a career-high K percentage, a career-low walk percentage. Uh, he's, his, uh, he, he just didn't hit well home. He didn't hit well away. Um, he just he didn't hit well all season. And the reason was his strikeout rate went way up. If you look at him, his max exit velocity was still elite. But what you saw with the guy with him is his his BABIP went way down. His uh, his pitch pitches 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 seen per at bat went way up. Look, it seems like he got tentative, and that's just not Javi to me. I think that 
Javi, for some reason, never never caught fire this season yet over the course of a 60-game span. That's going to happen even with elite players. But I think Javi's a guy who you still have to believe is going to produce next year the way he produced the last three years. His BABIP 16 was 336, 17, 345, 18, 347, 19, 345, 20, 262. So just a little bit of regression on that. If he goes up to 310, that's 50 extra points of BABIP. That's a lot of batting average for you, and that's a lot of power that he provides and a lot more uh, counting stats because he hits high up in the Cubs lineup. So I'm expecting a rebound. <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on anything over like an 800 OPS type season, but I'm expecting a rebound to at least 800 OPS type season for Javi Baez. He's going late in the two early mocks. I think he's going to creep up probably in the 60s or so by by draft time. Yeah, that's fair. Um, hey, Doc, uh, what's it like to be excluded out of the two early mocks? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not waiting around my phone for six hours at a time like you guys. Oh, you're a busy man, huh? Busy man. Yeah, you six hours to wait around the phone. I got. I, I, or I you hate- have a bad battery on the phone. Old iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> he does. I, I, I recently got a new one. Otherwise, it's totally been true. I just I, see, we keep talking about the early mocks, and I'm like, there's someone here that isn't in the early mocks. Yeah, yeah I was. Uh, I was like right on the cutoff list. Oh, just missed it, huh? Just missed the yeah. nine drafts. Yeah, and then Justin Mason wrote to me. He's like, hey, can you hop in now? I was like, oh, I can be home in 20 minutes. And somebody took that spot ahead of me, too. So, Oh, you sneak okay. uh, well, Doc, Doc, I'll stay with you. Why don't you jump on in with another player we can talk about? So one of the guys on the list was Josh Bell. And this year he hit 226, eight home runs, 22 RBIs, only three doubles. He's someone that started out 2019 last year really hot. He had a lot of extra base hits. He was putting the ball in play a lot. He was walking a lot. And kind of like Jose Ramirez, he's a guy that had a really great first half, really cool second half. I know Jose Ramirez's 2019 was different. But this year he really seemed to never get going. He only had three doubles. And I look at the Pirates, and they don't have a lot of support around him. Adam Adam Frazier, Colin Moran – Brian Reynolds, Cabrian Hayes is a future prospect. So I I wasn't too high on him this year. In points leagues, he strikes out a lot, which I think was even more detrimental. I'm going to let him slip a little bit, but he's somebody I'm keeping my eye on because he's still in his 20s. I think he's probably going to be you know, 24, 25, homer, 80 to 90 RBI, hit 250, but I don't think he'll have that 37-116 season that we saw in 2019. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he he did um, – I think his value going into 2019, people were kind of scared because of his tumultuous decline in 2018. He had that great first half and then completely just plummeted and uh, or last year, I mean. So it, it's kind of like they were kind of like, oh, my – Drafting the first half Josh Bell or the second half Josh Bell? Bub, I don't know if, if how you felt about him and, and like how you project him going forward. Yeah, Josh Bell is a guy that I benefited hugely from two years ago. And it, obviously the second half wasn't great, but the overall numbers, you mentioned Roto earlier, Cheesecake. And um, I, I think I love that still. I'm so, so <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, he's a guy that I wasn't on this year because the helium was too high on him. Obviously he's going to drop going into next season, which is great and all. But the first base position is just such a tricky position. It's very top-heavy, and there's kind of this mix-mash in the middle. And it's like you look at 
guys going in too early mocks, would you rather have Josh Bell or it's not as sexy like an Eric Hosmer? Who you mm-hmm. can He's consistent. Like, you know what you're going to get from Eric Hosmer, and he even exceeded consistency this year. And you can wait probably even, you know, two more rounds or something. I'd probably rather go Hosmer. Or you got Christian Walker still can come around. Like, guys like that, I'd probably rather take them than Josh Bell. Like that's fair. I think his name is, like you said, that sexier name. They're like, oh, like that potential 30 to 40 homer power that he should. He hits it into the river. Oh, it's so cool. Like, no right. one cares. He's like not, the, it's, not a, it's not a roto stat. Is there a – I know Mike – uh, I know we just already like shouted him out on here because he uh, commented earlier. But um, was is there anybody that does what the pitching ninja does for hitting out there? Oh, Mike's going to. He needs to. Like that's yeah. his future calling. Like I, I had him on bunch with Bubba uh, yesterday on Tuesday, I guess Tuesday's show, and I, I, I talked him up and get, gave him congrats on his video. Things it's freaking awesome what he's doing. Yeah, he self taught himself and he keeps doing more things to it. And I think if he keeps you know, his, his OCD or whatever you want to call it. He's, go, he's going to, uh, just the craziness of his Mike Curlin, he's going to master that thing. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, because we need, I, I want to see those, like that Stanton home run last night. Like that would be something that would be perfect in there or something like that. Like the beauty of that stroke or like you freeze it like right when they make the contact and then fast forward on the, the swing or something like that. Like what I would like to do is I'd like to be an editor. Like, okay, you get the home run. It's cool. But then you have it like blast through the scoreboard, which it should have done. And then you have it going through the streets of San Diego or something like that would have been pretty. Go pick up, you know, street tacos, get into Tijuana. Go yeah. have some fun there. <laughs> and, 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 like, like I'm telling you, like you can have a lot of fun with that thing because he hit the snot out of that baseball. He did. I, I was just like, how can a human hit the ball that far? <laughs> you crop in some people fighting for the ball. Exactly. There you go. Like, like if you if it is Josh Bell, like they'll take his full circle. He's into the Allegheny. He goes and finds Nemo. Like he could do all kinds <laughs> of cool stuff. <laughs> I love <Just> that. <laughs> um, another guy I'll get to here on this list, and uh, I I think it's it's getting a little cold in here because um I see a Mister Freeze. Oh no! And uh, he was around three or four pick according to his 36th NFBC rankings uh, last year. Struggled a lot this year. Let's not cover that thing in sugar. He hit 205 with four homers and 13 RBIs, just a little over 150 plate appearances, and that's Austin Meadows. And I want to give a shout-out real quick also to the guy we've just been talking about, Mike Curlin, because he actually did a little breakdown that um, right after we had him on, uh, we brought Austin Meadows up on the show, and he kind of dove in depth on it a little bit. And – Obviously, you have to take his COVID numbers with a grain of salt here because he did have COVID. But um, he, Mike pointed out that he had more of an upright stance and less open than his 2019. Could have contributed to his increased launch angle, which was 24.2 this year and seven degrees higher than last year, uh, which led to an increase in his fly ball percentage and decrease in his ground ball percentage, which, again, is normally a good thing. But the home run fly ball rate was down 1.5%, and his barrel percentage and sweet pot percentages both took huge decreases. Um, swing and strike rate, whiff rate, both went up. Contact percentage went down. Again, you can kind of look at every single thing he had, and a lot of his stats just looked really, really bad. And again, I don't know if you want to attribute to COVID because that would be a fair argument. But I was kind of scared off his third or fourth round price tag going into this year. I, I'm one of those, I'm, and I'll mm-hmm. stick by it. I'm a firm, I need to see it again before I invest that tie of a pick in somebody. And I don't feel comfortable taking him before the sixth round personally. So you got to show daddy that you weren't a one-year wonder and that we'll make those changes. If you can show me that you, uh, you know, you can prove more value, but I don't know if you guys disagree on that or not. He's, he's a tough one. Like the talent is legit. We've seen it for at least part of a season two years ago. 
But, you know, COVID or not, it was it was a rough year to begin with. And you, I think you do have to take his with a grain of salt. We already saw him go deep in game two against the Yankees. So there's something there. But uh, I, I want to see it more like to take the gamble on him where you have to. I'll probably end up passing also. Yeah. He also plays for the Rays and Kevin Cash. And nobody is safe in that lineup, hitters or pitchers. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Bubba, we're going to go back to you now. Who's your next player that you want to highlight from this list? Well, you were just talking about a COVID player, and this is a guy that, you know, this offseason, the reason why we're having this discussion now and we'll have many more of these throughout the offseason is how do you take 2020 stats or what do you do with 2020 to look at 2021? And Juan Moncada was about the only player that I noticed, and I might have missed it, but, you know, when I'm typing dongs on Twitter, I'm on searching <laughs> stuff all the time. So um, he mentioned that COVID, like he was still dealing with COVID. Like he was one of the few guys that had COVID – and mentioned how like we, we knew Freeman said he like thought he was going to die, but then once he started playing, he never mentioned it like he's feeling bad again. Where Moncada literally said he had trouble breathing at times, like he still couldn't play. He's a guy that I'm going to buy right back into next year. Like I'm not I'm not as concerned about him unless we see in spring training like he's still having issues. Like we're still trying to figure out this disease. Like there's some people have long long term issues. We don't know. Maybe he's going to be that guy. But if, if he's back healthy in spring, I'm back on board with Moncada. He's like a you know fifth sixth third baseman for me. I'm a huge fan because the power speed that he does bring to the plate, he can hit for an okay average. That White Sox offense is just ridiculous. So like, you look at his overall stat cash page and everything, and it's not great. It's a freeze, like you guys said. But there's a, there's a few things you can look at that, you know, the five ball rate dropped, the pop-up rate uh, went up quite a bit. That could just be not feeling like full energy, like just dropping his shoulder, little things like that. So I'm going to take a lot of it with a grain of salt and and because a lot of the numbers that you look for in power were the worst of his career. And uh, he's a guy I'll be definitely taking the value on because right now, at least in the two early mocks, people are, are not showing love for him. So I'll jump back on that train. Hey, Bubba. So Moncada had zero stolen bases this season, and obviously he's a pretty young player. But assuming he's healthy for spring training and plays a full season, how many stolen bases do you think he'll get slash what is his range? I'd say he's around a 15-plus guy. Um, okay. and 15 to 20, give or take, and you never know if things go great because we know that team will run. Tim Anderson will run. Lou, Lou Bob will run. Like, they'll let these guys run. So that's not the issue. I just think his breath capacity is about as good as my fat rear end. So he, it's really <laughs> tough to steal bases at that point in time. Yeah. He, I mean, it, you look at his 2019, he was a whole different hitter. I mean, he hit 315 last year. I mean, maybe he's not that good. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he might not be that good. Um, maybe, like, I think his XBA was like 285, but. Um, I mean, 25 homers, 10 steals, 79 RBIs, um, was a huge, I think he led the league in strikeouts in 2018, but cut it in 2019. So Bob, I'm with you. I I don't think I'm scared away from, you know, if he goes down even better, but if he stays the same, I'm all in on that. I am hundred percent with you. Yeah. That Sox offense with him having a good season, how, how, how prolific that's going to be last year. Well, ideally, before he was getting banged up this year and everything, it used to be like him and Tim Anderson at the top of the order in front of Eloy and Abreu and like this whole just murderer's row behind him. It's beautiful. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and Bubba, I think you brought up a good point that he had COVID before the season started. And when this when the games actually were getting played, it's at an accelerated pace. You don't have off days. You have to travel. You're not really getting time to rest up and letting your body heal and recover. So... I definitely think, you know, the effects of it, but also the fatigue that your body probably has. So it's great points, and you've sold me on buying him next year. Sweet. 
All right. Cheesecake, who's our next guy? Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte, you can't – he had a decent year, but no pop, no power. He had 302, 303, something like that. I don't have the stats right in front of me. But you look at what he was doing, and you compare it to what he did last year. Last year, that season when he hit 330, when he hit 30 home runs, uh, when he showed that power. This season, just completely different profile, completely different stat cast profile. His zone swing percentage went way down, nine points down. His, uh, his first pitch swing percentage went way down, seven points down. His zone contact rate went a little bit up. So this is a guy who's not being aggressive at the plate again. He's not swinging it in the zone. He's actually being a lot more tentative. What else is happening with him? His pull rate went down, and he's a guy who pulls his home runs. Uh, he has a good exit velocity for a little guy, but he pulls them. Uh, his pop-up rate went up. His fly ball rate went down. His weak, weak contact or topped or under contact went up. And his barrel rate went way down. Almost the same percentage as his weak contact went up. So this is a guy who never got right this whole season, never got into a power groove, still hit 300. Um, I think that the 30 home runs is something that you're it's you're dreaming if you think that's you can expect something like that next year. I think you're hoping he hits 15 to 20 next year. And he's got that 10 to 15 stolen base possibility, but he has a high average and he's not empty batting average. So I think with a guy like Marte, you're looking at him in like the sixth or seventh round. Uh, he's not going to be in the top three or four rounds second baseman. I'd push him maybe even further down than that. Well, no, with that batting average, he's like a seventh round guy. Um, but you can't expect – you can't draft him as high as he was going this year because his profile changed so much. And with you know with him, his exit velo is good, but he's a small guy. I think his power is dependent on, on that pull rate, on – on that barrel rate being high like it was last year, and I'm just not expecting it to go all the way back up to where it was. Yeah, very good points on him. He's, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Bubba. No, I just had a question because I agree with what you you said. I think this is one of those guys that are going to discount on. And um, I'm just I, I'm curious because we're looking at the two early mocks, and I think it'll be similar as the season goes on. Like you got guys like Keston here and Cattell Marte going right next to each other. Are you a Marte or a Keston here guy? I'm a Marte guy because I like his hit tool, but much better than Hira. Like uh, Hira, I, well, maybe not hit tool is not the right word. I like I like his strikeout rate much better than Keston Hira is what I should say. Uh, Keston Hira's strikeout rate is high, and it always scares me off. I like his over overall production, but I feel like the dependable floor is Marte out of the two. That makes sense. I'm with you. Um, Doc, next guy up on the list. So, Art, you might want to cover your ears unless you're you're ready to contribute to this. But I'm going to talk <laughs> I know, about. I know where you're going. I'm going to talk about Chris Bryant, and he had an awful, and that might even be a nice way of putting it. Season he hit 206 with four homers and 11 RBIs. Oh. He had 27 hits the entire season in 34 games. The year before that, he had 31 and 77, which is is better. But he's never hit 300 in a season. He's only had 100 RBIs once. He strikes out a lot. In 162 games uh, this season, he would have been 
been on pace for 191, which isn't even the most that he's had in a season. He had 199 his first full year. He's had a strange shoulder issue, which seems to come and go, but has been something that's been nagging. He had 13 stolen bases his rookie year. Each year after that, it's single digits, and he's hitting at, on top of the or at top of the order now. He had zero stolen bases this year. I'd say the only thing that you can bank on is that he's third base and outfield eligible now. Maybe that will change, but I mean, keep in mind he was MVP what four years ago, and a couple years ago his name is getting thrown out in trade rumors, and you usually don't hear that from teams, especially ones with notoriety like the Cubs. So. That's letting you know maybe the organization doesn't even believe in him. So he's somebody that I was high on this year. I thought I was going to have a bounce back year. But I'm going to need to see him do well over a long period of time before I can really buy back into him again. So let me ask this. If his name was Toby McGuire, would you <laughs> – like, and his name's not Chris Bryant. Like – this guy, this guy is borderline undraftable the way he's playing. Like he's like, is it just his name value at this point and why people are still taking him? What do you guys think? Yes, That's exactly what it is. It's one hundred percent what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was an MVP one year. Like you're gonna bank him, you're gonna draft him, and be like, well, he did it one year, he could do it again. It's like when a girl hooks up with you one time at a bar. You're like, okay, well, you know, they made out with me once. They could, it could happen again. We've been to the same bar, haven't we? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever you want, however you want to call it. this. This dude obviously is not worth where he's getting taken. His production has been flat out awful. And I'm going to ask the cubby on the show, Cheesecake, in 60 seconds or less, give us your public service announcement about Chris Bryant. Well, it's his shoulder. Uh, the shoulder injury is what uh, zapped him of that power. He still has the he still has the power to hit the ball out of the yard. But his uh, his fly, uh, his home run per fly ball rate has has dropped from its from its elite rate, which it was in sixteen. Um, so really, you know, until that shoulder gets he- healthy, he's a guy who's going to hit home runs, but it's not going to come with the accompanying um, volume that he had in his in his prime. And it, you know, you you have to wonder what's wrong with the shoulder. Maybe the Cubs training staff just stinks. Maybe. Uh, Maybe Chris Bryant's shoulder has is just something that he's been managing, and it's going to be like that for the rest of his career. Um, you know, like you said, like where would you draft him? I think he's going to go in the top hundred. But I think if I was picking him, I'd take him outside of the outside of the top one hundred and fifty, honestly, mm-hmm. based upon his production this year. Um, now he came back at the end of the season and had a few big home runs late, but what do you, you know, what are you going to, what, what's that count over the course of this, what he's shown this whole season. And like you said, last year, um, but I think he's still a guy who's going to get a decent batting average, 270 to 280 batting average with decent pop. So, um, but the injuries have been accumulating. His time missed has been accumulating. So that's why he's out of my top. Probably one, 150 might be a little bit too much, but 100 to 150 probably. Yeah. He's the type of player I, I don't think I'd feel comfortable playing unless he was like on my bench and I could have a whole lineup set and it's like, oh, if he, well, if he does well, then I can put him in, but I don't have to take a gamble to have him as a starter, but that means I won't get him. But 
Um, I'm not letting that tease that he put on sway me from how I feel. I'm sure it sounds like Bubba and Eric, you guys feel the same. He's, he's, he's kind of like when it's closing time at the bar and you start thinking maybe or maybe not. You just go home. You just go home. He's that bad decision. Yeah, you just go home by yourself. Can we just start making these comparisons of players of how we feel about people at a bar when we're drunk? Yeah, yeah that's what I spent five years in college. We can do this all night long. Let's love go. It. He's, a, he's, he's the person who was good looking in high school, but then you see him at the bar now. He gained so, the freshman. Go back to your 20 year reunion and you go, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> He won prom king, and that was his MVP year, and it's been downhill since. There we go. There you go. Bingo. Like that. Um, this is another guy that kind of fits in that same category here, and um, he's obviously better than Chris Bryant, and that's JD oh, Martinez. Um, and this guy was a top two or three round pick in every format. Um, ADP of 22 on NFBC. And this wasn't just a bad season for him. This was a bad season in general. He had a WRC plus of 77 this year, which if you went to the fan graphs page was actually on the second to last page of qualified hitters. He slashed 213, 291, 389, seven homers, 27 RBIs. Strikeout rate highest since 2017. His walk rate was lowest since 2016. This man was an all-star all-star hitter, but uh, looks like the J.D. Martinez from Houston, honestly. Um, and one of the things I actually put out on Twitter, because I took him in the sixth round of the two early mocks that Eric's not a part of, and <laughs> he uh, he spoke how like how easy it is for him to lose his swing when he doesn't have the video. Cause he's constantly watching video and making the mechanic adjust mechanic adjustments. He's uh, trying to make and um, with the league shutting down the video access to players. I'm wondering how much of a, a factor that really played. Cause I mean, again, we can just spit statistics all day long. Hard hit percentage was down 6%. Um, he was like scorching like the sun red hot on a stack cast page as far as in the past, but not this year. X slug and Wobo were all down over a hundred points. And I saw from Over the Monster, um, great stuff they have over there, that Martinez's decline in hard hit rate was the steepest of all but 13 players qualified the last two seasons. So he had a huge decline. Um, He's in his mid-30s. So um, I don't want to say he's undergoing like a Joey Votto-type drastic transformation. Um, But I'm I'm kind of curious. Like like I'm in the sixth round. I don't know if that's great value. I don't know if I took him too early. Bubba, I'm interested to hear what are your thoughts for JD. I'm torn because, like, earlier this year, one of my bold predictions was, yeah, let's get JD Martinez hit for the Triple Crown. That seems like a great idea. And um, he might have hit for the reverse Triple Crown. Like, he competed with another guy on his list for that, that award. But um, it's tough. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to suck me back in for his value because I, I do believe he's a, he's a, a video guy, like you're saying. He's a swing guy. Um, the, the book that um, I'm totally blanking on just came out earlier this year about the swing changes and everything by Jared Diamond. Um, went into about how him and Turner and guys changed their swings, and we saw that development take place. So he's, he's hard into that. You know, Cheesecake can talk about it. I've heard multiple Cubs guys complain that they didn't have the video. These guys are so analytical now that it sounds silly because when we played ball, or at least when I played ball, you never had it. You just go up there and, you know, I didn't have a game plan. Like, let's just go. Um, yeah. So it's a little different now. I'm going to end up buying back into him just because I like, you know, got Devers, you have Bogarts. You have decent players around him still that can hit the baseball, and I'm not sure he's done just yet. And I think you're going to get him at a value. Like this is a the, the two early mocks is fun. I'm sorry, Doc, you can't experience this, but it's really <laughs> a lot of fun that um, we get to see. Well, you can see the ADP that we can share. That's universal, so you're good there. But um, he's going around guys like Cattell Marte and uh, you know Charlie Blackman. These other guys that 
might come in as values to you. So I'm going to end up probably biting the bullet and jumping back on him. You know, he's going around pick 80 right now. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think any of us thought he'd be anywhere near there, even if he declined a little bit. So it's very interesting. He's going to be um, one of the players I think most people are going to want to watch next year and how he rebounds. Um, Bubba, is there another guy on this list that you feel like that uh, is, needs to be talked about here? Yeah, there's a few guys that are, are really good ones to talk about on this list, but the one guy I'm going to mention right now, because I'm going to keep this short and sweet, it's Gary Sanchez, and you're dead to me. I, <laughs> I, just, I am done with him. Like, I used to like getting them as a catch or two if they want to be, like, aggressive with a real Muto or whatever because, you know, screw batting average. Don't worry about it. Just go hit me some bombs. But he can't even hit off a tee probably half the time right now. Like, it's embarrassing what he does at the plate. He's, you know, striking out over 35% of the time. His XBA was 190. Adam Dunn laughs at that. Like, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. what's going on here? He's just bad. Just really, really bad. And Higashikola, I, I can't remember. Higgy's what I call him. It starts over him more often than not. Now, Garrett Cole would rather have a good defensive catcher that actually hits better than Sanchez than Gary freaking Sanchez. So I'm done with him. I don't know how much – like, he's just worthless to me right now. So, yeah, I just want to put it out there. I'm not going to get into how bad he's been. He's just – I'm done. My yeah, reaction to Gary Sanchez is I'm, – I'm sure everyone has an alcohol that they hate the most. I hate fireball. That's – if I took a shot of fireballs, like, that's my thought of Gary Sanchez and his MLB Yes. Oh, so, <laughs> so wait, so Gary Sanchez, just, I know this is very early on. Is he still a top five catcher? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I I tell you, he, he's not even a top 10 catcher for me. And I'm not even he's just trying to for me. Yeah. I, I, he'd be lucky to crack the top 15. I just started doing my rankings lately and I got my, I think I got 10 of these catchers and I have a lot more. I'd rather have over Gary Sanchez right now. Yeah. So it's bad. I, I dove into Gary a little bit, and the only thing I saw that you could look at as as a chance of turning around, um, his O swing, like so, his swing outside the strike zone was down four percent. Um, so he actually wasn't swinging as much outside the strike zone. But the biggest thing actually was just like his uh, his O contact was down seven percent. So seven um, percent off his the lowest of his career. So he pretty much wasn't touching as much outside the strike zone. So if it was outside the strike zone, he wasn't hitting it, hitting, he only made contact about half the time. So, um, and then his XBAs were uh, on all the different types of pitches were either 40 to 60 points higher than his actual. So um, that, that was, I, I dove in for a while and those were the only positive things I could pick out from his yeah. year. It's, it's a lot of blue. It's a lot of disgusting numbers. Um, he was in the fourth percentile in XBA, the second percentile in strikeout percentage. That is not good at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I stayed like it's funny because we go back to the previous offseason and people were saying that he potentially is a number one or you know at worst number two to JT Real Muto. The difference, but the gap between them is like insane, and they were being near compared to by you know different people. Uh, throughout last offseason. So it's interesting how much he's fallen. And I wonder if he's even with the Yankees next year because I've heard, I think, I didn't hear Toby on uh, Batflip and, and uh, Bubba in the Batflip him mention about that uh, the Yankees were looking at him and they could trade, uh, mm-hmm. trade, uh, pick up JT and uh, trade Gary. So yeah, Gary's not expensive. Some team will be willing to take a chance on him. Like there's definite possibility he can get traded. It's disappointing yeah. we've spent over two minutes talking about Gary Sanchez. For <laughs> well, it, 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 we're giving his eulogy right now. 
Elsie, get us back on the right track. Give us somebody. Do you have somebody we can be excited about potentially yeah. or more bad news? Yeah, I have a guy who I think who I think people are going to sour on a little too much, and that's Kyle Lewis. Now, one thing that you notice when you're looking at Kyle Lewis is that he hit this season way better at home than he hit away. His OPS was 240 points higher at home than it was away, but his away OPS was still over 700. Uh, I think – what you want to look at is he had a scorching hot start, a really solid middle month, and a and an ice cold final month. Um, I think, you know, his middle his middle month uh, uh, August was two eighty six with an over four hundred OBP. In September, he struck out a ton. He struck out seventeen times in forty two plate appearances, but he walked thirteen times. So his strikeouts went way up. But his walks went way up. He was seeing a lot more pitches. He wasn't making good contact. Uh, so I think what over the course of a full season would even itself out and you would start to get back a little bit more of that contact luck and a little bit more contact in general, I think. I think Kyle Lewis is a guy people are going to remember the bad taste in their mouth from the end of the season and not look at the underlying stuff in that his walk rate is going wake up way up. Prior to the last month, his strikeout rate had gone down. So uh, this is a guy who, you know, obviously needs to get right. But I think he's young. He's in a he's on a team that has a lot of prospects coming up. He's on a he's he's going to be among uh, a hyped starting outfield ho- hopefully next season or in the next two years. I like his future. I think next year he's going to be slept on a little bit too much. I like him as a good. Uh, third or low third, high fourth outfielder on five outfielder teams. Part of that big youth movement in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that play. It's just the, the problem is because I agree people are going to sour on him a bit. But if you look at his numbers outside of, you know, his home run pace would have been crazy compared to his minor league numbers. But he's running more than, uh, than he did in the minors. But if you look like his, his walk rate this past year, his strikeout rates, his ISOs, his bad bips, you just go down the line. They're kind of equal to or around the same area of every year he's had in the minors. So everything that you had him as a top prospect for, he was doing. And then you, you mentioned his stat cast page and all that stuff, his hard hit rate. The guy's legit, he's, and he's young. He's going to keep getting better. The team should be getting better. You get Kalinic up there and some other guys. It's a very intriguing deal. The hard part's going to be is where are you willing to draft him because it's either either people sour on him, kind of like I'm thinking, you and you think they will. Or you're going to get some like prospect guy in your in your draft, like an Eric Cross or a Chris Clegg or something, and then you're going to have to pay through the teeth for a guy like Lewis because right now in purely mocks he's going to pick 100. He's going right next to Tommy Pham, Giancarlo Stanton, Eddie Rosario. Like I like young prospects, but I also like proven pieces and like Rosario and Pham. So it becomes very interesting at that point. Yeah, I, again, that whole offense, and you bring up Kalenic. I mean, I, I wonder too when he has more protection around him too, what that's going to do. And, uh, and, and that, you know, I feel like this year there wasn't a lot that he had behind him. Um, and so, you know, maybe he sees more pit, better pitches, strikeout rate gets better. Who knows? Um, Doc, give us our second to last guy. All right. So I'm going to touch on Will Myers. And first thing I like about him, he is first base, third base. Somewhere, uh, somewhere Toby just perked up. Keep going. <laughs> Will, Will Myers and chill. Um, he had a great bounce back here. He had 15 homers. 40 RBIs, hit 288, 353 on-base percentage. The question is, can he repeat this? That's his highest batting average and on-base percentage since 2013, which was his rookie year. 
He's getting ready to turn 30. Prior to this season, he's played 100-plus games in three out of the seven seasons. He's had some injury issues. He's only had 20 homers two times in his career and never a 100-RBI season. But I say that with – he has some sneaky stolen base upside, which I he runs more in the base paths than I thought. He's had double digits his past four years, and his career high, he had 28 in a season. I didn't realize he had wheels like that. So he's going to play in a good lineup. And ultimately, his ADP for me is going to depend if the NL keeps the DH. I think Eric Hosmer is going to be locked in at first base, assuming he's healthy most of the time. Cronenworth and Tatis are going to take over the middle infield. Machado is going to be locked down at third. And in the outfield, they have Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, Yurks, and Profar. So if they can have that extra hitter in the lineup, I feel good about him playing and having an everyday role. If it goes back to pitcher only, I'd probably slide him down a little bit. That's a good point, because if he slumps also, then he's not going to get as many chances to break out of it if there's that one less bat in the lineup. So very good point on that. Um, There is one more guy on this list, and there's only one guy that can talk about this guy. And that's the Oscar Hernandez and, and Bubba. That's I know that's your guy. You've been uh, you know watch. I heard you say you've been watching him for a long time. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you expect from Teoscar Hernandez? Okay, for those that haven't heard, I'm not a prospect analyst or anything like that to begin with. Like I love prospects, I enjoy them. I for the longest time I talk about it on my show. I'm learning with the rest of everybody. Like I turn on the microwave and I try to figure out how to use Statcast. That's what I do. And it, 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 <laughs> I it, love it. it. It's 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 crazy. Like it's a it's a work in progress, as they say. I might need to get a deep fryer or an air fryer. I don't know, but this is what we're doing. And with Oscar Hernandez, I watched him in Fresno when he was with the Astros before he got traded to Toronto. And everyone there was watching Derek Fisher when he was a big time prospect, and all these other guys. Like they had a, they had a stud pitcher. It's now got PEDs and all kinds of stuff going on there. And Teoscar's playing center field. He was hitting the snot out of the baseball. Like the like there was no exit velocity. You could tell just sitting behind on plate. Everything was loud on a string. But more importantly to me, he played a phenomenal outfield, and he had a cannon for an arm. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. And no one's talking about him. And then he goes in that trade to Toronto, I think, for like uh, Francisco Liriano or something like that. It was ridiculous. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, the Astros are getting this, you know, lefty reliever they need for the postseason. And first off, if you think Liriano's going to help you win a World Series, <laughs> I got it going for you. But, um, Unless like, he okay, banks the trash can. True, true. But uh, we'll have to – can't wait for the narratives after this postseason. But um, – you look at Toronto, and this was before they were the baby Blue Jays. They were kind of building things. There's no Guerrero. There's no Bichette, no Biggio just yet. So they get to Oscar. I'm like, sweet. This is a good move. With Gur- Guriel was new at the time. And um, watching him finally get to bust out was a thing of beauty. Everyone's on the same page now. The guy has insane power. Everything he hits is hard. Like his hard hit rates, his exit velos, his barrel rates. The dude is so talented. And he can play a good outfield. And he even has a little bit of speed to throw on top of it. He is very, very good. It is not a fluke. So I think this guy is one of those, and people aren't are, aren't thinking he's a fluke because he's going early in the two early mocks. Like I'm still having a hard time pushing the draft button where he's going at 64, the 17th outfielder off the board. But I'm have to start maybe getting okay with that because I'm pretty sure he's not going to. I think it, he might go to like 25th outfielder at the most, but he's going to go high this year, and he's well worth it. So what would be the earliest round that you think you could comfortably go and get him? Yeah, like I said, I'm not there yet, but I think the more I draft, the more I kind of see. Which right now it's just kind of seeing where things fall because it's pretty crazy. Right. Like we've talked about guys that are going later than they should, and so on. and that's going to keep being fluid. You know, in December you get NFPC uh, draft champion started up, so we'll get that in, that ADP, and then you'll start getting more stuff. And we're just going to analyze the, the we're going to analyze it till it's not worth analyzing anymore. <laughs> but um, T. Oscar is one of those guys that 
it's going to be roster dependent, but he's he's a good four and a half, I'd say, category guy because he should steal you 10 plus bases, but you never know. Toronto might just turn into, let's just hit home runs and not care because they could do that. But um, I think I'd be more comfortable in round five, but you're going to probably have to get him late round three, early round four. So it's going wow. to be sad when I don't have him is the problem. <laughs> he's going to be one so of those know, FOMOs. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. He had 16 home runs this year. And he had four multi four multi home run games. My superlative for him is the DFS sleeper because if you get him on one of those two home run days, he's likely right. wanting to use some money. It was a double dong night with those. Double dong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's crazy. Uh, Randy Arizarena, he went deep again. Um, he's he's um, he's a guy that's that's legit. But uh, he's he's kind of a mini T Oscar if you want to play it that way. Like if, if you don't get T Oscar. You get like a Rezarania super late. Well, he's going to get helium too, but much later than Teoscar. That's a nice little extra one in there because he's. I actually, when I was putting this list, I didn't even think about that. But he's really like. I feel like the playoffs like have really shown a light on him for mm-hmm. a lot of people that didn't know about him towards the end of last season. Yep. Um, great job, gentlemen. As always, we're going to move now to the quirky, fun part of the show, and we're going to start off with our question of the week, and we are sponsored by Manscaped. Eric, tell us a little bit about Manscaped. Listeners, I work in sales, so I'm trying to make sales pitch every day. I won't do that right now. Instead, I'll ask some simple questions. Do you enjoy getting injured in the groin area? No! Great! The lawnmower 3.0 has skin-safe technology, the best ball trimmer ever. Do you sometimes get bored and spend longer in the shower than normal? Yes! Great. The battery lasts 90 minutes, so unless you pass out drunk in the shower, you can make better use of your time. Don't you hate when the is loud? Yes! Samesies. That's why they have the quiet stroke technology. Do you like to let your junk breathe? I thought that was the only option. Well, why are you wearing boxers when you can wear performance boxers? Do you like to make your significant other happy in bed? Uh, of course. Well, who doesn't? The ball deodorant will cover up that ball sack smell that could turn her off. If you followed along, congrats. That means you're most likely not a millennial as we avoid ads at all costs. But it also means that you could use some products from Manscaped. Razors, boxers that are dark so you could hide potential poop stains, and ball deodorant are some of the many products they offer. <laughs> Let me use my closing techniques on you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. That's one-fifth off with free shipping, especially in this economy, at manscaped.com with the code TRIPLEPLAY. Unlike my performance at my real job, I hope I have better success convincing you to go to their site and buy some of their products. If you'd like to take that girl home for a second time from the bar, go get your lawnmower 3.0 and the non-poopy stained underwear. (laughs) I can't believe I can't believe we just brought up poopy stained underwear on this show. <laughs> you know, talking about Chris Bryant, that's okay. That's everybody, everybody has Bro. had a beer in their life, and it's whether you want to admit it or not. <laughs> that's you actually a, true. You have a bad hangover and a hot, sweaty day. <laughs> just bad things happen, okay? You know, sometimes you think you're going to the bathroom and you just think yep. it's, it's art, but Oop. it's other. <laughs> I will literally, say that. Literally, as happens. The. Uh, <laughs> I will say, 
I didn't know something like that existed until they started sponsoring us and I got the, we got the kits. And then I was like, where was I without it? Cause like you, you feel like you're on top of the world when you smell good like that down there. And I'm like, Oh my, I could just like rip them off anytime and I'm ready to go. And look at folks. Now he's engaged. So it obviously works. <laughs> <laughs> now, now if you guys just get like a four hymns ad to go with this, we would just, you'd have the whole package. Oh you'd be, yeah. You'd be selling plan B at your third thing. So it'd be great. <laughs> that, that's coming next. That, I, mean, that, I like where your head's at. I was gonna say, maybe they're our next sponsor. We'll there see. Uh, our question this week is: What has been the best brawl that you have ever watched? Whether it's with your own eyes during, obviously, when you were alive or before. Um, just there's so many brawls in baseball history. So, which is your favorite? And I'm going to start with you, Bubba. That's why I have to ask: Does it have to be baseball? You know no. what? That's that's a good question. I know it doesn't Not have to all. be. Okay, because well, I can stick to myself if we want, but the best one ever is Malice in the Palace. Like, yeah. I remember exactly where I was when I was I was in college, I believe, in my fraternity house. 2004. Yes, so I was in college. Exactly. There we go. Good. <laughs> I'm not sure of it. Um, and we were all sitting there watching that game and our test and the whole thing. Like, first, I'm laughing at him because he's laying on just the bench, just chilling, like laying like a dummy that he was. And then they throw the bottle at him and then just implosion. Like that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Cause I've gone to a lot of games, a lot of basketball games, a lot of baseball games. And I never once visualized players coming into the stands ready to throw blows with anybody. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's either a combination of that or I'm going to sadly take a second one. The like, basketball's got the best brawls. The other one is um, the Patrick Ewing when, and uh, I think it was with the Heat or the Pacers. No, it was Heat. It was when yeah. Van Gundy was getting dragged around the, the court. That one was amazing. That was awesome. Why can I not remember that one? Oh, it's a playoff game. About, Go check it out. That's when the suspension the thing, thing started. You couldn't leave the bench. The good thing about the Artest one is, A, he hit the wrong fan. And yes. when eventually they got on the bus, he went to his teammates and he said, do you think I'm going to get in trouble for what I did? <laughs> I, have a lot of, I have a lot of Artest stories because my mom, she, uh, did, she worked payroll for the Kings for 25 plus years. So when Artest was there – I have a lot of behind the scenes stories that are um, the dude, good ball player. It's not a shtick. Let's just put it that way. That's awesome. Oh yeah, my God. <laughs> oh man. Um, Art, do you have any, again, they don't have to be baseball or, or anyone that come to mind. Well, the, uh, I have two. First of all, the first one I want to mention, I, I don't think it qualifies as a brawl, but uh, in 1987, Eric Shaw hit Andre Dawson in the face with a pitch after after Dawson had hit a home run off of him earlier in the game. And Dawson was on the ground for like three minutes and got up and started walking at Shaw. And his the entire team had to stop him from walking over to Shaw because he was gonna he was gonna beat the crap out of him. Dawson's so I get big big dude. <laughs> it does not count as a brawl, but uh, I think it's pretty close. It, it could have been a brawl. But I think the most iconic baseball brawl in my lifetime is Nolan Ryan punching Robin Ventura in the head with a headlock. Um, I mean, that is the best picture baseball picture probably of the past 30 years because Nolan Ryan is one of the best pitchers of all time. Robin Ventura, multiple-time all-star, and they look like, <laughs> two 12 year olds out there <laughs> brawling out there and the picture they caught it at the perfect time no one's just about to make contact with robin's head it's a beautiful picture that you know that was exactly where my head went when the when this question came up we need a picture of that in your dungeon down there oh i'll get it right up here <laughs> 
Doc, who's what's your pick? Okay, so I agree with Bubba. The best brawls are in basketball, but I thought this was for baseball. And for me, it's last year when Amir Garrett wanted to take on the entire Oh, man. But it's also the follow-up. So I've been following Amir Garrett on Twitter for a while. He played college basketball at St. John's. And when he's on the mound, he refers to himself as AG. So somebody's like, Amir, why did you fight him? And he's like, that was AG. You got to ask him why. And they're like, That's okay. And he's like, he's like, you can only ask AG when he's on the mound. Like, he's so serious about this identity. He'll be like, Amir would never touch someone. AG is <laughs> ready to punch. So he <laughs> just seems like a funny guy and somebody that's not backing down from a challenge. So he was ready to fight that entire team. Yeah, to take the, the, the cojones to literally just walk straight from the mound to the dugout, basically saying, it's me versus you, let's go. I don't <laughs> care. Like, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. The AG, wow. That's what you get for being a stalker for him, I, I guess. Wow. <laughs> he, is, he is such a funny guy, though. Yeah. If you use a lawnmower 2.0 or 3.0, I think you'd know this by now. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that. In, you have that insider, right? I'll ask him. Um, so... I obviously it needs to be said the Odor and, and Bautista thing is iconic as well, uh, but that's too easy to go to. Um, so I actually was watching an 18 minute video on YouTube of the best MLB fights. And it was some of the best 18 minutes I've spent in a while. Yes. And so a couple of them that I did pick out, um, there was the one that where Gary Sheffield got plunked by uh, Roberto Hernandez, a.k.a. people remember him as Fausto Carmona. Yes, Fausto, yes. And I hadn't seen that name in a while, and it just brought me just so much nostalgia. But Now I know why you tweeted about that today. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, what? I was like, man, you got to go on a rabbit hole to tweet about Fausto Carmona. <laughs> so, like, then, so the, the best part about this is, so he gets hit, Gary Shippel gets hit, He's just got this mean mug on his face, which he might have the meanest mug of anybody I've seen just when he gets mad. He's just like undoing his elbow strap. And the whole way down to first base, he's just looking at him. Just the whole way down. And it's like slow, too. It's not like it's fast. And Fausto Carmona's staring back at him. Like they're looking at each other the whole way down. And then Fausto Carmona's getting ready for the next pitch. And he looks over to first base like good couple seconds. It's not like just a check. Like he looks over at first base for a couple seconds and then quickly throws over. And then Sheffield just like starts talking and then they go at it. And it was just like the buildup to it was like, got me. I was like, this is, this is dope. But, um, another one shout out to, uh, I don't know if you guys, Eric, I don't think you'll remember this cause I didn't know what this was, but the Albert bell into Fernando Vina. Do you guys remember that? Joey bell. What did he do? Was he an Oriole at the time? He was a oh God. It was um, I believe it was the Braves, and he was on against mm-hmm. the Mariners, and he was running from first to second base, and they didn't show what happened prior, but he literally oh. football. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember that. Yeah, and he football yeah. checked him and like actually decked him to the ground, and the dude didn't even do anything. That he just like talked. I was like, what are you, like, like you're such a puss. Like what? Like how can you just take that and just like talk to him as he walks away? It was something I'd never seen. I was thought it was pretty cool. David, you saying puss might be the most vulgar thing you said in any of our podcasts ever. So I'm just glad I could be here for that. That, that, that really <laughs> got my attention right there. I'm like, because I, I, I can I can sail other things up real quick. So I was like, I'm so like, I, I'm like, this is great. So I keep it professional until I don't have to. So this is this is great. Here too, for the future, we always had a pact us three. We were like, we're not going to curse, but any times the guests curse, we are not going to stop them. They can do whatever they want. So. <laughs> I, I, I just want to, I want to give a couple honorable mentions before we put it away because I do have some baseball ones if we Go need ahead. to. 
But um, I think the one where it was Yankees, Red Sox, and Don Zimmer ran at Pedro Martinez, and he basically olayed him onto the ground. That is priceless. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one. Pretty much like the Veritech A-Rod stuff. That was all good. I can't remember. If, I think it was the Amir Garrett one, but the fact Yasiel Puig was traded like 30 minutes before that, came out of the locker room to keep fighting with the Reds, <laughs> even though he wasn't on the Reds anymore. Like if he yeah. gets hurt, he's out part of the Indians. Glorious. So that was awesome. Um, the Reds have had a few good ones. I remember Johnny Cueto trying to kick a guy in the head with his spikes and got his foot stuck in the netting. To go yeah, look that one up. No. That was wild. And then if you want to go old school, I'm surprised it wasn't on your 18-minute deal. I can't remember who he was swinging at, but it's probably in black and white, maybe color. Juan Marichal was getting oh. attacked with a baseball bat. No, he attacked the well, catcher. Yeah, he had a bat and went and attacked the catcher. That's right. Johnny Johnny Roseboro, Brooklyn was. Dodgers catcher. Yeah, the old school days. He went and attacked a guy with a baseball bat. So go check that one out. Cracked him on the head. All right, I'm watching that when we're done with this. I didn't know someone ever Juan attacked Marichal attacked with a baseball bat. Yep. The one thing I did notice with the whole comp is – Half of it was Carlos Gomez and Pedro Martinez. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. sounds about right. I'm surprised. And I bet you probably got a good Manny Machado one in there against the yep. Red Sox. Yep, that, that has a few. Yeah, there was the one where he also was with the uh, Orioles against the Royals too. Yeah, he has, he has a little. Um, yeah, I don't want to say the, the the right word, but he has an issue. Yes. Seems like. Uh, but that yeah that I mean we could go on. These are all great. Um, but I do want to get to our game of the week. And Art is hosting this week, but Bubba, last time you were on, you had a walk-off victory against Doc in extra innings. So are you able to keep the streak alive today? I'm going to try to, but all I want to say is the, the game you guys had with Curland, I was yelling at the, the podcast because I knew so many of those that Curland, that Curland didn't know. I wanted to just, like, throw something through my phone at him. <laughs> Which that was one? a genius game. It's where you had, like, two words. You had to figure out what they meant. Oh, uh, that's right, yes. I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> That I no, I lost that one at the very end because of freaking um, what was that? Oh God! Now no, I got annoyed. it. It was Spencer Howard University, baby. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, Art it usually has pretty good ones, but you did walk off. I think the last time you were on, it was when we did. If it was a fake prospect that I yeah. made up, or if it was the uh, real deal. So yeah, what team were they on? That was good. Oh so, yeah, that's something where I can't believe I even got that close to Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're, we're one of us is going to take you down today. Cheesecake, what are we playing? Well, as as you may know, Doc, I, I don't know about you, but the two early mocks are going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't hear about it. So, so I went back to 2019 and looked at the two early mocks and the ADP from that, and compared it to the July 22nd, 2020. Fantasy Pros ADP uh, um, from their Fantasy Pros ADP. They they uh, they they get it from all these other different websites, and I and so there were a lot of surprising risers and fallers on that. And so this game is risers and fallers from the two early mock. All right. The, uh, oh, better not let me win. <laughs> God, I hope not. That would look pretty yep. bad on Bubba and I's part if that happens. <laughs> So are we using the 220 numbers or the 2019 rising to fantasy pros? Yeah, 2019, okay. sure. the 2019 yeah. two early mocks to, two, to 2020. I think this is – the way I looked at it was this. Uh, two early mocks were good, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of change after oh, yeah. that. So so, uh, so this is what happened after that. Now, the first thing I noticed, there was a trend. Now, I don't know the two early mocks last year were one catcher or two catcher league, but catchers rose up the draft boards Uh 
by July. And uh, so right now, the, the first question, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven catchers who average a rise of over 130 spots. Those catchers are Sean Murphy, Robinson Chirinos, Jorge Alfaro, Yadi Molina, Carson Kelly, Christian Vasquez, and Sal Perez. Who were the top three risers? One point for each correct. So yes. out of out of that list, who were the top three out of that list to rise? Can you, yep. can you report, repeat that list real quick, please? Sean Murphy. Yep. Yeah, I'm write this down. Robinson Chirinos. Jorge Alfaro. Yadi Molina. Carson Kelly. Christian Vasquez. Sal Perez. So how is this working? Are we just telling you or Well, I'm gonna we're gonna go we'll start with David, Eric, then Bubba, and then we'll switch it up. We'll just we'll do this the 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 uh, round robin like we usually do. Price is right style. David, who are your top three risers? My top – and I got to like number them like points, like one, two, three. It doesn't matter. Just say three because there's not going to be more points for if you got, get first gotcha. place right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So my top three is definitely got to be Sal Perez. Um, I'm going to say Sean Murphy, and I'm going to say Christian Vasquez. David, why would you take my three? Eric, uh, don't don't go copying me now. I literally wrote them down when you asked. Okay, I need to write them down because okay. Christian Vasquez led the majors in home runs after week one with four. So I feel like that's. I mean, what if, Eric? What if Bubba didn't put that? Now you're going to make, make him change his answer. You just just go <laughs> ahead, go. If, if Bubba changes his answer because of me, then it's <laughs> success, success, even if I lost. Sal Perez, I feel like everybody tore. Cut out because it was torn ACL, and Sean Murphy had a good year, so I, that's my three also. So, oh, so Sean Murphy, Sal Perez, and, and who? Christian, uh, Vasquez? Christian Vasquez? Yeah. So we're comparing the 2019 two early mocks to where they got their ADP at draft time in July, correct? Yeah. Yeah, basically so, when the season started. Okay, so Sean Murphy, Sal Perez, and Jorge Alfaro. Those are my three, because Vasquez still went pretty high, I thought, come July. So Sal Perez – was the biggest riser, 187 spots. Second biggest riser was Yadi Molina, 163 mm. spots. Interesting. Third, third was Sean Murphy, 147 spots. So I think each of you got two points, yeah. Two All points. Right. All right, on the board, like that. Okay. All right, closers also sprinted up the draft board from the two early mocks to the uh, to the final ADP. There were five closers who went up over 100 spots, rose over 100 spots. I'm going to give you guys eight, and I want you to give me the top three. Brandon Workman. Nick Anderson, Hansel Robles, Liam Hendricks, Taylor Rogers, 
Giovanni Gallegos, Keone Kella, Mark Melanson. These were the top eight risers at closer. And for, all right, so Doc starting, we're picking three? Yep. Okay. Hmm. All right. Um, this one's tougher for sure. I'm going to go Nick Anderson, Giovanni Gallegos, and Brandon Workman. Yeah, I'm going to go Nick Anderson, Giovanni Gallegos, and the last one's very tricky. I'm going to go with Mark Melanson. But I was thinking uh, about him. That's tough. David? I think definitely Nick Anderson, um, Giovanni, Giovanni Gallegos. Loping. And I'll go – see, Hansel Robles, I don't think they even announced he was the closer that time. Three our boy tied by tree. Yeah. This is tough. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go Hendricks, Gallegos, and Nick Anderson. Okay. The biggest riser was Keone Kella. Rose 247 (laughs) spots. Second Uh, biggest riser? Giovanni Gallegos. 165. Third biggest riser, Nick Anderson, 159. And uh, Eric, Doc, Workman was the fourth biggest riser. So that was a good guess. Oh, so, did I get half a point for that? No. <laughs> nope. This has been our participation trophy, sir. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. I'm hanging with you guys, and I'm not even in this. We're all tied at four, I think, right? Yeah, yep. we are. All right. So – now I'm going to give you four outfielders. Who was the biggest riser and who was the biggest faller? Okay. okay. Teoscar. Jackie Bradley Jr. Jesse Winker. Ian Happ. Wow. And Bobby, you go first. Okay. So I say biggest riser from... End of 2019, July 20, I'm going to go with Ian Happ. He was going much higher in drafts. And then the biggest faller will be, wow, I'll go JBJ. I definitely think think Happ has to be the biggest riser because now he's, like, getting drafted. He wasn't even getting drafted before. Um, And then I'm going to go Jesse Winker because I feel like there was, like, a higher consensus on him last year. And that he's farther down. Eric? Uh, I can't see anyone else besides Ian Happ being the biggest riser, but watch this be Tay Oscar. Um, and yeah, JBJ, I feel like people just aren't as high on him as they were. Biggest as riser falling. was Ian Happ. He rose 142 spots. The biggest faller was Jesse Winker. Uh, he fell 167 spots. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, they signed so many outfielders. I think yeah, that's true. what happened. That was uh, what changed. Yeah. I'm going to give you – so two 
All right, so we have five, six for David, five for Eric, and five for Bubba. All right. It's taking it. Can All right. How many rounds we got? What's that? I said, how many rounds are there? Uh, there are going to be four, uh, three more rounds. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you six pitching prospects. Three of them went up. Three of them went down. So give me two that you think went up and two that you think went down. And this will be worth four total points. Forrest Whitley. Tony Gonsolin. Dustin May. Mackenzie Gore. Nate Pearson. A.J. Puck. So whose value went up and whose value went down? Yeah, I think, David, you first. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go down Whitley and Puck because of all, all his arm troubles, I think. Okay. And up Gonsolin and I feel like May is about where he was. I'm going to say Gore, but I don't feel confident about that. Eric. So going down, it has to be AJ Puck because he got a, he had another surgery. And I so badly want to say Dustin May, but I feel like if he went down, it wasn't by too much. I think Forrest Whitley, because kind of the shine of him making his debut and being a top prospect. So I'm going to go that as my other down. I Gonsolin, I know, is going up. He had a great ERA and whip this year. David. No. David, you you from last to the beginning before this year. Yeah, we're not we're not uh, talking we're not talking about right now is ADP previously. Uh, okay. Um I'm I'm still gonna go Gonsolin and Gore. I feel dirty that I have the same answers as David again, but I gotta go with my initial gut instinct. I appreciate okay. you too, because I have a feeling I have a chance to make up some ground here. Um <laughs> I got I have Whitley and Puck going down, and then I have Pearson and May going up. I don't think Pearson was even drafted in the two early mocks in two thousand nineteen. Okay, the three down are Whitley, Gonsolin, and Mackenzie Gore. Ah, Puck. Wow. Wow. Puck, Rose, Pearson, Rose, and May Rose. So I think points. And I I only got one that round, I think. Yeah, I only got one. So Bubba took the lead, but I'm only down by two. You're only down by one, I think. I'm down by one. No, you're right. You're right. I'm down by one. Docks the one down by two. Yeah, yeah but you know, in last go. place, as he should be. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, now I'm going to give you guys four guys who rose. Uh, let's see. Sorry. Who fell, who had good seasons and fell, but fell under 100 points. I want you to tell me who fell the most. So there's only, looks like, Two points. I guess we're going to do who fell the two most so that we have more chance for variance in the scores. Who fell the two most? Zach Plesak, Chris Taylor, Anthony Santander, 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 Trent Grisham. I think Eric starts. Uh, yes. Yeah. 
So the two who fell the most. I'm going to go Zach Plesak because that's the public just not liking him and thinking that he's a knucklehead. Nothing to do with his actual performance. <laughs> Game and, I, and I'm going to go Trent Grisham because there's probably a lot of Brewers fans that really hate him for that ball going under his glove in the wild card round last year that helped the Nationals win the World Series. So I'll – not even performance based. I'm going to go the two that are probably. Well, but if we lose, if we lose the doc, I don't know. I'm going to be very. I might not come back. <laughs> yeah, I need to make up some points, though. I need to make. Up I'm going I'm I'm to need to get a cool rap nickname like little che- little little cheesecake or something. Because <laughs> I can't come back as Bubba. That's for sure. Uh, All right, the, uh, the, the two followers for me, Zach Plesac, because in July he wasn't in the rotation, and then Chris Taylor because it's the Dodgers and there's a million guys there. See, that's what I want to do for my second, but it, it just it makes too much sense. <laughs> now the excuses come out. Um, David, see, it's hard because like you don't want to like repeat what everybody said. It's definitely Zach. Please, Zach. I, I would. You can't, think. you can't gain any ground if you just take my picks. Just remember that. We have yeah. one more round after this, though, right? <laughs> yeah, one more. All right, so Zach, please, Zach, and I feel like Chris Taylor wasn't really even that high to begin with. Possibly. <sighs> I'm just going to say um, Plesak and Taylor. I'll try to differ for you on the last one. Anthony Santander, because he missed the last 25 games. Anthony Santander dropped 98 spots. I should have oh, – He was it. the biggest faller. And Chris wow. Taylor was the second biggest faller, 59 spots. Grisham, 53. Plesak, 38. But you he know was that already – you know, that? That sound is, you know what that sound is, David? That's Doc falling farther behind us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just dusted you. Yeah. I'm not in the too early box. I was playing with house money. Joke's on you guys. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, here we go. This is it for all the marbles now. Oh, These, four- <laughs> These four guys uh, fell over 100 spots each at least 125 each actually and produced pretty good seasons i think i was just going off of my memory so maybe they didn't all produce great seasons but i think they all produced outperformed their draft spot jesus aguilar pablo lopez jerks and profar dominic smith who were the two biggest fallers hmm that's a tough one Okay, I'm going to go Pablo Lopez and Jerks and Profar. That's a good one, though. Really good one. I'll go Pablo Lopez, Jerks and Profar. The only way – I mean, I could tie him, but there's no fun in that. So the only way I can win is if I pick two other players. And so I'm, I'm going to go Dom Smith and Jesus Aguilar. <laughs> I like your spirit. I appreciate that. <laughs> Eric? Oh, you're thinking, Doc? Uh, I, it's definitely got to be Profar. Go Profar and Aguilar. What do we got? The biggest faller, Pablo Lopez, 172 spots. Uh, 248 to 420. Second biggest faller, Dominic Smith, 166 spots, 391 to 557. Wow. Uh, 
Profar fell 131, Aguilar 126. So they're, you know, they're all respectable falls. <laughs> so oh, uh, the winner is is Bubba. He didn't have to hit a hit a hit a walk off this time. I appreciate you, you guys. Have, I appreciate you guys letting the guest win. That's really nice, of you guys. You have That's cool. You know what? We're, we're, that one hurt though. Around the horn style, you get fifteen seconds. <laughs> I get fifteen seconds. Well, <laughs> you get, I don't know if you want to give me fifteen seconds. You get. You get your. Go ahead. You obviously, plug whatever you want. Uh, anything you want to talk about, we'll give you a solid thirty. <laughs> I don't need thirty, but uh, I want to thank you guys for having me again. I really do, truly enjoy talking to you guys. Fun group of guys here. The podcast. You guys are getting better and better with it. So uh, keep doing all that good stuff. And then for my end of things, bench with Bubba. I'll start cranking it up more like I used to. It's just a. Uh, with the little one, it's been tough to schedule things appropriately right now. So we'll get back to going with that. DFS will start slowing down. I have a lot of ideas for the off-season plans of writing and whatnot. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, we'll have a, a, a fantasy book coming up in December like I did last year. So a lot of cool stuff. But, again, thanks for having me, guys. I look forward to the next time. It's always a pleasure chatting with you three. Yeah. Uh, pleasure when loses in the game. So, Bubba, thank you for providing me that joy for the evening. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, I, I, next time you come back on, you never had anybody go three and zero. Even Toby, he lost the first time. I, I think Alex Fast might be two and zero, but there, no one can be three and zero on this show. Only thing with Toby is if it's not stat based, he really gets lost real quick. So if you just make him like throw curveballs about a player, he's not going to be as focused on it. He has to have his numbers, so you can you can get him real quick that way. There it is. That's, all right, I know exactly how we're going to structure the game tonight. next time. <laughs> awesome. Well. If you're not following him, make sure you follow Bubba at BDentric on Twitter. Great follow. Again, as he said, he knowledgeable fantasy sports guy, DFS advice, really friendly face on there. If you're trying to become a better fantasy baseball player, DFS player, this guy is as good as it gets out there. So make sure you follow him. Check out all his stuff that he does. Bubba, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Dong. All right. That's funny.